Do you remember the taste of strawberries, Mr. Frodo? No, I can't recall the taste of strawberries, Sam. Nor the sound of running water. <laughs> Nor the touch of grass. I'm naked in the dark. And he's like, I can see him with my waking with eye. With my waking eye. He goes, then let us be rid of it. Once and for all. Once and for all. I oh, can't God. carry it, but I can carry you. And he puts Frodo on his back. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I drink your milkshake. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Cinefleck. I am your host, Ethan Colburn. Uh, this is the final episode of our Lord of the Rings series. Uh, thank you for coming with me on this journey. I had an amazing time recording them um, and listening back, honestly. like They were really fun conversations. I usually hate hearing the sound of my vo- own voice, but... Uh, it was a fun enough time that I just genuinely enjoyed listening back. So I hope I hope this was good for you guys. I've got some Christmas shows to announce. Um, I hope you guys are excited. We have next Monday. We kick it off with Home Alone with my friend Sydney. Uh, that'll be great. You you can also listen to her on our The Room podcast, which we put out about a month ago. Then I've got a friend from Letterboxd, not just French films, uh, doing uh, It's a Wonderful Life. So bringing a little classics there. And then um, and then the week after that, uh, Love Actually with Josephine, who's a good friend of mine, and Die Hard with Lexi. Lexi is coming back. Lexi was our first episode, uh, still our most played episode. And uh, she is back to do Die Hard. I'm very excited to share that with you guys. Um, it's always an adventure every time we talk. And then uh, going into the end of December and early January, I've got a really fun lineup of shows. So a lot to look forward to here. Um, uh, let me know what you're the most excited for. I'd, I always love to hear from you guys. So uh, feel free to reach out to me on social media at cinefleck pod on instagram and at cinefleck on twitter um without further ado let's get into our return of the king podcast i hope you guys all enjoy it it is time the crownless again shall be king become who you are born to be Follow you into battle. You have given us hope. There is nothing for you here. No! Wow. <laughs> uh, Liam, this is our third and final podcast for the time being. And um, first of all, cheers. Cheers. Cheers to. An epic to, trilogy. I mean, you were here for a week, and you spent ten hours of that week watching movies with me. 
Oh yeah. Um, so that is an <laughs> achievement unto itself, and probably more when we count in the podcast recording time. Um, how are you feeling after finishing this this movie? You know, it's like people when they think about Lord of the Rings, they think about epic battles and everything, but they forget about how emotional the last thirty minutes of Return of the King is. How I many mean, times I, did you cry? I don't cry during movies for the most part. Okay. I think the last time I cried in a movie was uh, the second date I ever went on. I saw Marley and me in sixth grade. <laughs> That'll get you. Um, and I cried. <laughs> and it was <laughs> very embarrassing. Right uh, with Riley Cassidy. Oh my god. She listens to this podcast. <laughs> do, you well, me, do you want me to cut that? <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> like seriously she's on letterboxd i'll have to let i'll have to let her know she's oh no it's great yeah um no in sixth grade uh the second date we went on we went on a group date to the movies we watched marley and me with a group and i was the only guy and i remember i bought us one of the really big bins of popcorn mm-hmm. and nobody else wanted any of it but me so i'm just stuffing my face with this bin of popcorn and sobbing to marley and me <laughs> great date that sounds about right I I probably I think I think I probably cried like eight times. I almost teared up a bunch of times. Okay, yeah, I probably it was probably like eight. Like that's probably around what it was, and it, you know it's throughout because there's just a lot of moments. There's a lot of just like moments where the courage of men is tried, and the courage of men does not fail, <laughs> and the courage of hobbits or whatever the fuck. Um, I was on a plane one time and like. It was Alaska Airlines. I was flying to Seattle, and like I was looking for something to watch. I didn't have my like laptop with me, and so I I'm scrolling through the movies that they have, and I see that they have all the Lord of the Rings movies. But like the flight's an hour and a half, and so what am I? And so what am I gonna do? Right. I'm gonna watch the last thirty minutes of Return of the King, <laughs> and so I do, and uh, of course it's like emotional as hell, and I'm just like, oh my god, this shit's amazing. Like I watched like. I watched, like, from Frodo scaling Mount Doom on, you know? Like, I was just like, what better (laughs) way do I have to spend the play on? But the funny thing was, the next flight back, um, I was sitting next to this, like, old lesbian couple. And the one woman sitting next to me turns on the last 30 minutes of Return of the King, I swear to God. And I was just like, dude, I did that the last flight. And she was just like, and then we just became buds. We like bonded over just watching the last 30 minutes of Return of the King on airplane flights. (laughs) I swear to God, it was the weirdest thing. But um, yeah, no, it's like, that last like hour or so is just... It's an emotional roller coaster. It's an emotional roller coaster. I feel no depleted. I, I, I like can't handle any more goodbyes for the next week. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, because at the end of the movie, Frodo and Gandalf leave Middle Earth. There's like twenty endings. There is a bunch of endings. But I mean, there's also like twenty storylines that they have to close up. Yeah. So it makes sense. Um, do you have a favorite ending? Do I have a favorite ending? Like, I mean, in those ending moments, you have, I think like... I think it's that one. I think it's when all the hobbits are at the shoreline, and okay, yeah, they yeah. leave. That's like the final ending. And it's a little bit long and dragged out, but it's so emotional. I do really like it when all of the... When they're 
in uh, Minas Tirith, and they all bow to the hobbits. That's my. That's like by far my favorite part of the this whole movie. Yeah. That you bow to no one, and they're suddenly aware of like the fact that literally this whole kingdom. Like Not even the saved, kingdom, just like everybody. Literally everybody is saved at the hands of these four hobbits. And they're just like like that that's that's the moment of the movie in my eyes. Oh my god. It's incredible. Yeah. I think my favorite moment of the movie, or my like the moment of the movie is when Frodo and Sam's bromance reaches its true peak and they're climbing Mount Doom and Frodo like gives his last effort and he just he's just done. And then, you know, Sam, you know, he goes the you know, I can't carry it, but I can carry you. But that's only after your favorite line. That is after my favorite line. <laughs> <laughs> you were gonna do your favorite line. <laughs> Should I do my favorite line? <laughs> wait, wait. I'll do I'll do Frodo's part if you do your favorite line. Okay. So they so they climb the mountain, Frodo eats it, and Sam's looking over and he goes do you remember the taste of strawberries, Mr. Frodo? No, I can't recall the taste of strawberries, Sam. No, the sound of running water. <laughs> no, the touch of grass. I'm naked in the dark. Is that the line? Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, I can see him. <laughs> I can see him. With my waking With eye. With my waking eye. He goes, then let us be rid of it. Once and for all. Once and for all. I oh, can't God. carry it, but I can carry you. And boom, he puts boom, Frodo on his back, boom, and he carries a volcano. Carries him up a volcano. Ask, ask your best friend if they would carry you dead weight up a fucking volcano. Would you carry me dead weight up a fucking volcano? I would try my very best. Sweet of you. I would. Ca- I would. I would sincerely carry any of my friends up a volcano. To destroy the Ring of Power. 100%. Who has the better movie, Sam or Aragorn? Ooh. That's so hard. Because, like, it really pays off at the end for Sam, but Aragorn's is so epic throughout the yeah. whole movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, I'm going to say that Sam probably had a better performance, but Aragorn's was more epic. I think Sam has the better movie. Though, I think those two have the best movie of any of the characters. Because, like, you think about the amount of times that, like, Sam comes through, like, fights off the spider, storms a tower to get Frodo, carries him up the mountain. I mean, like, Frodo's dead and just Sam steps in. And, and, like, this whole movie, like, he's, he's he's so loyal and, like, there for Frodo, but... It's this movie where he's just, like, he's 100%, like, literally carrying him. But then, you know, I mean, it's it's also just so so rewarding to see Aragorn's final, like, rise to power in this. It is. You finally get him as king. All of a sudden, like, it's the first time, it's the first time in the movie when, like, he's riding up to, like, the Black Gates when he... He suddenly done his hair back in a ponytail. You're like, oh, he like washed his hair for the first time like, <laughs> in the whole like series. <laughs> he had, like greasy hair for for like a year of shooting until that point. I mean, like he just looks stately. Um, yeah, he really came into yeah. kingship. I would say that. I was thinking. I think Gandalf has the best performance in the first movie. I agree with that. And then I'm a big fan of Theoden, who's the king of Rohan, for the second movie. As the best performance. Because he 
nails it. He also nails it in the third movie, too. Yeah, he just has less of a role, but he nails it in this. Oh, my yeah. God. And the whole, um, like, his whole thing with, like, like... I know your face. I, I know your face. <laughs> I mean, I think the thing that's so amazing about him is, is um... I think I mentioned this in the Two Towers pod, actually, so I won't, like, repeat myself for too much, but... He even when you disagree with what he's tr- he wants to do, he's so he's he's such a like good king. Like you feel that he's genuinely at every moment trying to do what's right for their people, which you can't you can't say for a lot of other leaders in this movie. Like a lot of other leaders will undermine the will of their people. I mean, I mean, famously the steward of Gondor just. Sending his son out to die because he's sad that his other son died. Yeah. Um, but, like, Theoden always seems like he wants to do what's best for his people. Like, he just seems like such a good king. I just know that his speech to rally his troops to go fight at Minas Tirith is really, really epic. Ugh. And I would 100% ride in a battle after that speech. Totally. With that guy. And and, and and I feel the same way about Aragorn's speech. Yeah. At, at the Black Gates. Yeah. Uh, there will be a day that the courage of men fail, mm. but it is not this day. <laughs> and you're like, okay, like, I'm ready. Yeah. It's so epic. And he calls, he calls the men of the West. Men of the West. Yeah, we're men of the West. Which I think is another... Ghost. <laughs> I think is another... Um, World War II thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's sort of like the West against the East. Also, uh, during that battle, they charge a bunch of horses at the giant elephants, and the giant elephants totally wreck the horses. Like, whose great idea was it to charge at the giant animals? Yeah, I mean... Not the best in-game strategic move there. In-game strategy. Well, I mean, to be fair, what else are they supposed to do? Just, like, retreat into the into the castle? I would like, think so, yeah. I would think you, you retreat back into the castle, you clear the castle of uh, orcs, and you, like, rebarricade the gates and everything. And then you shoot arrows from the castle. Yeah. At the elephants. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. I mean, it's better than charging at them. Probably better than charging at them. Though they do do a pretty impressive job at taking down the elephants, e- even before the army of the dead just come through. Yeah, kind of. I mean, they take they, down, they have a few. But, I mean, think about how big they are. They were, like, way bigger than actual elephants. Right. But the, they so lost large. so many horsemen, and they could have saved so many of the horsemen's lives if they had just... I mean, the city was their best strategic defense. And they... I realize that it's, like, hard to picture, like, the Rohirrim all, like, galloping into the city and, like, purging it of orcs. Because maybe that's not what their horses were meant for. But it was better than just getting... I mean, those elephants were sweeping away, like, 30 horsemen per swing. Yeah, with their weird, like, things that are tied together. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I don't think it was the best strategy. I mean, I just don't know what other options they had, I guess, retreating the city, but... Um, do you want to... Should we just, like, walk through the, the, the plot of this real quick? Uh, if you want to, sure. I feel so, like most people know the plot of... Return of the King, though. I think so. I'm just like, gonna, like, there's a giant battle. They destroy the ring. I'm just gonna like run through. <laughs> Let's just do like a yeah. quick overview. Okay. You got. Okay, so you're recovering from the Battle of Helm Deep, Helm's Deep, and then, um, and then Frodo and Sam have been freed from 
Paramir. Um, so we open on Smeagol's transformation into Gollum, which is like an odd scene, but I think reminds you that um, Frodo is susceptible, essentially, is the point of that. Right. Right. Um, and then, and then you get to, like, like, picking up the pieces of, like, of, 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 like, what happened to Isengard, you get to all that, and, like, Harry and Pippin are drunk, which is, like, they're back to, they're, 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 they're back to being drunk. Yeah, they're smoking the pipe weed on a field of victory. Awesome. Um... And then... And then Pippin messes Pippin, up. Pippin messes up. Pippin... Pippin messes up for his final time in the beginning of this movie before he genuinely starts to just do awesome things and redeem himself. Yeah. Which, like, it took this long in the series for him to, like, start to redeem himself. Um, so he messes up. He gets this, like, seeing eye, which is, like, the chat roulette of Middle Earth. Like, you just don't know who's on the other end but obviously Sauron is and so but he gets a glimpse into the enemy's plan to attack Isengard so him and Gandalf go to Isengard and then uh, there's like Boromir and Pyramir's dads all like emoed out like on his throne (laughs) by the way like every time you see him he's sitting in this like empty hall yeah. Just honest. Does he just do that, like, with no... Does he have anyone to talk to? Or does he's he kind of, like, in this XXXTentacion mood. But, like, wouldn't he, like, hang out in his room, like, on a comfy couch? Or, no, like, he has to be publicly sad and eat tomatoes. Oh, my God. It makes me... Ne- <laughs> he makes me never want to eat baby tomatoes again. Yeah, he just eats disgustingly. Oh, God. It's so gross. It's terrible. And he's and like every, eating them during this like battle. And like, like everything charge. else, everything else in that scene is great because you got you got Pippin singing, and um, Pippin's just like slaying it. Like who knew that great Pippin voice. was like the Mariah Carey of Middle Earth, <laughs> and and like he's he's killing it. And then and then um, and then like you've got like the steward of Gondor just like just like destroying tomatoes like Gallagher <laughs> in his mouth. Just like... Yeah. Just like spewing seeds all over his face. Like, disgusting. Like, no one, said, like, no one says anything. No one says anything, I guess, because he's like the steward. And then um, and then you got like the horses riding the battle. And so you're like... There's like three things that you're thinking about in that scene simultaneously. Like, oh my god, this is epic. They're like yeah. riding to their death. And then you're like, that guy's a great voice. And then you're like, oh my god, I never <laughs> want to make this. And it's like those three thoughts are like simultaneously fighting for your like control of your central Yeah, brain. I definitely uh, favored the tomatoes, think, thinking about the tomatoes. Okay, that's fair. That's totally fair. The tomatoes are very distracting. <laughs> um, I think that's after... The beacons are lit scene, which is freaking fantastic. Yes. And then you've got like the battle. Which, wait, can we can we can we talk about the beacons? Because I brought this up during the movie too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's talk so, about the beacons. so the beacons are to alert from Minas Tirith to Rohan that they need aid, and there's like thirty beacons that are lit, and they're lit along mountaintops and valleys and all these things. And what happens is like the men light them, so the next beacon they can see it and light it. So my question is. Are there just people that live on top of mountains 
for hundreds of years with nobody else around them just to light the beacons and then their kids can light the beacons. The beacons haven't been lit in like hundreds of years. Here's my thought on this. A, yes, because like there's people that man lighthouses. Like there's people that like man obscure locations for obscure purposes. So my first answer is yes. My second answer is I think when they were shooting the beacons are lit scene, they got really they 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 got really carried away with shooting like the most beautiful high mountains of New Zealand. So when you're looking at those mountains, you're like no human could live at the pinnacle. Right. Because in one shot, there's like a tiny stone igloo, and it's just like where they live. And it's like, yeah. there's no food, there's no vegetables around them. So I think, I think A, yes, but B, they got really carried away with just shooting this like beautiful helicopter shot, and you're not supposed to think yeah. about it. Too. And it's totally worth it. But I'm just it's saying, gorgeous. worst job in Middle Earth. Uh, I mean, well, I guess maybe being a soldier, because <laughs> most of them <laughs> die, but... So I guess I'd rather be lighting the beacons, but... Lighting the beacons would be pretty fun. Honestly, and that whole scene, I mean, like, that scene could have been three times as long as that, and, 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 and like, I would have been happy just, yeah. like, them lighting the beacons. Um, it's just so epic just watching, like, torches pop up over beautiful landscapes. Yeah, and then Aragorn sees it, and he runs up the stairs two-stepping it. Two-stepping. Like a boss, the whole way. (laughs) Gondor calls Freed, and Rohan will answer. (laughs) And, uh, and so, then, like, our favorite king shows up and is, like, uh, is, is, like, Rohan will answer. You get the, um, you you get the battle for Isengard while the steward's trying to build his son. You get the I am no Uh, man. Not Isengard, Osgiliath. Thank you. Thank you. Battle for Osgiliath. No, no. Battle for... Um, no, Osgiliath is the one that... Osgiliath's on the river. Yeah, yeah, what's the, what's the... Battle for Minas Tirith. Oh, okay, yeah. And then, and then, um, and then the I Know Man, the, the horses come in, then the dead people come in, then they regroup, and then there's the battle at, the battle at the Black Gate, and then Frodo and Sam have their strawberry moment, and then they march up, and then Gollum tries to take the ring, but then they push him in the fire, and then he dies, but then the eagles come and save them, and then they fly back, and then there's the 15 endings. Yes. Just zipping through this so we can get... Because <laughs> I thought I would do the plot. <laughs> <laughs> and just as, uh, just as uh, Ethan and I watched the extended version for the fourth, third movie. Yeah. And it was four hours long. And you know what? It it added. At least in the second half. I thought the extended version added in the second half of the movie. I was mixed because, like, when you're watching the theatrical cuts, they feel rushed. Sometimes. Sometimes. At certain times, especially in The Fellowship. So maybe The Fellowship would benefit from the extended cut. Which we did not. We only watched the extended cut. Which we watched the theatrical cut for the first two. Yeah, I was, I was like, there, there, there's a lot of scenes in the extended cut that just seem unnecessary. Yes. And I understand why they were cut. Which is odd, because you'd think that, like, there would be a lot of extra great stuff. There were some extra scenes that I was like, wow, that was really incredible to right. see that. And that adds depth to 
But there was some, even like the shit at the Black Gate with the guy with the weird teeth that's like, yeah. here's that, here's that, that shirt of Frodo. And yeah. They're like, they're like, I think he's still alive. You're like, okay. And then you just like. The part that bugged me the most about the extended cut was a lot of the scenes that were cut had Gandalf in them. And I feel like they really changed his character from the theatrical version. How so? Like, I thought that Gandalf's character in the extended version was much, like, weaker. So he has a fight scene with the Witch King of Agmar. But it's not really a fight scene, and the Witch King destroys a staff before having to go do something. And then Wait, how does he get his staff back? I think he just gets a new one. But, like, from where? Just trees, I guess. <laughs> but then, like at the Black Gate, there's like this whole like Mouth of Saruman thing, uh, which is like I guess like a speaker of Saruman comes out to negotiate at the Black Gate before there's the battle, which isn't speaker in the Sauron. Sauron, my bad. Okay, just and um, Gandalf is like disband your armies and leave this land. I don't know. It's just like that was that felt really unneeded as well. It made his character seem weaker. And there was also a lot of uh, stuff during the Battle of Minas Tirith when Gandalf was just kept saying, like, hold your post, hold your post. And I just didn't feel like that was necessary. I don't know. I just think his character really benefited from the theatrical version. That's fair. I mean, I think the, I think the stuff like the Nazgul doesn't necessarily prove that he's weak, but proves how strong the Nazgul are that they can, like take down Gandalf, and so I think that scene's really... Yeah, but then he gets stabbed in the face. Yeah, because because no man can kill her, kill him, but she is no man. Right. But, like, Gandalf doesn't even put up a fight. Like, he just instant. he gets instantly downed, and he the only reason he survives is because uh, the Nazgul, like, saw the Rohirrim charging. Because, like, no man can do shit to the... I know, which is dope. And it was an awesome scene watching her um, slay him. Which, by the way, let's let's just talk about that scene for a second. I don't mean to jump around too much, but... Okay, so... Oh, but that is someone who really benefited from the extended cut. Is oh, right, Eowyn. She, Eowyn gets a lot more time because her love story with um, Paramir gets some extra time. It's that build before you get to see the... the final shot of them together that implies that she's now over Aragorn and she's found new love. Which also, she got her for heart her. broken by Aragorn. Oh, it was brutal. God. It's brutal. It's really sad. I was like, ow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it hurts. It's like, they've kind of all been there. Okay, another movie... Would, that- you, say, would you say that Aragorn led her on? You know, I... Because he kind of did. He kind of did. You know, he was like, there are like scenes where he's like, they're like, not like holding hands, but they're kind of like up against each other and they're having like whispers and, you know, I don't know. It's just like. He kind of leads her on a little bit. He kind of leads her on. Yeah, so. it's not great. Um, yeah, he kind of leads her on. It, 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 it kind of reminds me of a scene from a movie that I also watched today, Boogie Nights, where, um, where, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character goes in to kiss Dirk Diggler after showing him his car, and then and then Dirk Diggler is like, "What the fuck? Like, like, why would you do that?" He's like, "He's like, I, I just love you. I love you." And he's like, "I love you too, dude. But like, why would you try to kiss me?" And it's like, Ooh. and then he's like, "I'm a fucking idiot. I'm a fucking idiot." And it's like both 
both that and the I cannot give you what you what you seek scene. They just like whatever heartbreak you've had in your life, they just take you back to that moment. And you're just like, oh god, yeah, it just hurts. It's not even that long of a scene. It's like three lines, and it's just no, it, but it like, perfectly encompasses watching the, the watching rage just of emotions. Like, watching just like the hope leave her eyes. Is yeah, just so brutal. It's brutal too because it's like he doesn't want to hurt her, and he like doesn't want her to like hate him or stop being your friend, his friend or whatever. But that's exactly what leading someone on is. Yeah. So don't leave people on. Don't leave people on, folks. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was it's brutal. It's really, br- it's really brutal. I, I think I mean, like, but her character also gets some uh, mad points because in the extended version, uh, she hang. You get to see a lot more of her conversations with Mary, the Hobbit. Yeah, and they, you know, so Theoden, her dad, in the King of Rohan, is like, you can't come to battle. You're a woman, and to Mary, he's like, you can't come to battle. You're a Hobbit. Wait, I thought he said you can come to battle. No, he said oh, you can. In the end, in the end, he doesn't. Right, but when they're when they're still at the camp, they haven't gone to the battle yet. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you need to go back to the hall and like take care of, like whatever right. people are left there, um, and if we all die, then <laughs> good luck. Right. You know. So she's like, no, I want to fight. Like, what's the point of me going back if you guys lose? Then we're done for anyway. Yeah. Um, so she secretly rides off, um, and takes Mary with her, and they have a lot more dialogue in the extended version. Yeah, and that, and then her love story, too. I mean, you get, you just get a lot more scenes of her. It, 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 it is nice to get a lot more of her story and all of this. Um, because, yeah, I mean, her I am no man moment is, that, that's one of the best moments of the film. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, this idea that, like, this guy, this guy, this guy killed her dad, or almost killed her dad, and then she stands up to him, she stands up to this just, like, force of evil with, with very little training, and it's just, Kills like, his, like, evil dragon. It's like, I'm gonna slay you with her, with her pure will, and then, and then no man can kill me, I am no man. Which, by the way, is Shakespearean. Did you know this? I did not know this. In Macbeth, oh. the witches tell Macbeth that no man born of woman can kill you. And then he's killed by this guy who oh, he had a was born of a C-section. C-section. Yeah. That's right. So, so they, they, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Shakespearean thing to have that be like a caveat... And then the person's like, nah, like, no one can kill me. But yeah. But really, it's like, I'm not a man. Like, yeah. But yeah, um, that moment's incredible. And then just, like, her final... Speaking of uh, the Witch dead. King and his weaknesses, apparently, like, keeping an eye on his front door is also a big weakness. Yeah, Frodo's just, like, walking out there. So, so like, at one point in the movie, Gollum takes them to the secret stairs, and that's how they, they climb the secret stairs... To go through Shelob's spider cave to get into Mordor. So Frodo and Sam, they're at the front gate of this like super evil looking castle. And the ring kind of beckons Frodo in. And he goes in between the gargoyles. And there's just a road. And there's nothing else around him. It's just him. And they don't see him. And then immediately after that, a massive army of orcs departs from the castle to go to the Battle of Minas Tirith. And it's like, 
How did nobody see him? There, there's something with orc armies and not looking to the side. Yeah. I don't know if that's like... But he wasn't even off to the side yet. He was just like in front. Like, did they no, have anyone still, watching like, later them? they're off to the side. Right. And no one looks. And then this happens again where they're like, okay, so this... I mean, I mean, in another extended cutscene, they're like, okay, so the, um, the orc army's coming. Let's just sit here and pretend like we're taking a rest and then of course like one orc's like dude get in line and then they're stuck yeah. in an orc army for like five minutes but yeah there's something with like orc armies and not looking to the side that i think is odd and yeah. stairs you talked about stairs yeah there's no thing. like real stairs in yeah. middle earth it's all rock climbing <laughs> it's like all rock climbing. <laughs> it's, yeah it's a theme it is definitely a theme um, you know, one thing that I've noticed is because, like, I think we have more critiques of Return of the King than of the other two movies, but it is also, in my opinion, the best of the three movies. I know we are talking about a lot of critiques, but maybe it's just, it could have been our mood, because I was just sort of like, I mean, we, we had a while to think about the first two. It's true. And it's the extended We were version. much more sober. We were more sober. <laughs> it's the extended version. But I was I was thinking about this, and I don't think I usually have this many critiques, but it is the best of The Lord of the Rings, and despite everything I'm saying, I love it very, very much. Right. But yeah. yeah. I, I've always had a little bit more of a critiques on three, but it's over stupid stuff, like what we just talked about, like the, the gate and the... Uh, um, what was I to, like charging the elephants and everything, like... You can excuse all that stuff because it makes for an amazing movie. And I think that's why True. it's great. Well, yeah. I've, I've got another critique. <laughs> <laughs> my, other, my other critique is just... Um, why can't Arwen take a boat later? Like her whole thing... Uh, this is one thing that you and I disagree on. I, do, I disagree with you on this. The elves are all leaving Middle-earth, along with, like, Gandalf and Frodo and Bilbo and everything. They're all taking a boat to some place. And this is at the very end, after the, the evil's end. been defeated. But, 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 like, the elves have been planning on leaving. And supposedly they know what lands they're going to. So why couldn't you take a boat there later? Like, why couldn't Arwen hang out... And marry Aragorn, and then when Aragorn dies, go take a boat later. Why can't her dad come back and be like, hey, I'll pick you up from the party in like a hundred years? Why can't that all be a thing? Um, See, I think I think it has something to do with magic. And I think that, you know, it becoming the realm of men. And just like how Gandalf says his work is done, I think the elves know it's their time to leave, and I don't really think there's a way for them to get back. I think that, you know, they ha- there's an opening, and they know the opening is closing, and if she doesn't leave, she can never go, because it's the, the time change, right? It's the third age, and then yeah. it's the end of the third age, and it becomes the fourth age, and it's the age of man. And I just think that along with the great evil that has departed the world of Sauron, the good also has to leave. There has to be that balance. I don't think... Either, no ships can come and go after that. Yeah, there's, there's, probably, there's probably an explanation for it. It's fair. Right. But it's like... I mean, 
ideally, she marries Aragorn. They have a great life together. And then she goes on her boat to see her family in a bit. Yeah. He's already 87 in the books. Apparently. Which is crazy to me. Yeah. He looks great for 87. He looks wonderful. So how many more years does he have left, honestly? Call him the Christy Brinkley of Middle Earth. He <laughs> looks wonderful for his age. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't I, I I don't know, but I mean he he's probably got a ways to go if he looks like he's 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 uh so. barely older than Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> <laughs> but looks significantly better. I think uh one one line that stuck with me this watching of it that I hadn't really thought about before was at the very end before Frodo leaves, they're in the Shire just hanging out and he's talking about how some wounds never heal, and like time, some wounds, like time doesn't heal, and that some things in life are so altering that you are changed from it. And I thought that was really powerful. It's pretty, it, it makes sense, you know, it's not anything, it's not that crazy or out there of a thought, but it really hit home. I think maybe because were the ages of 23 and we're transitioning from, you know, young, we're still young adults, but we're kind of on our way to adulthood. and Yeah, it's true. You know, we're different than we were when we set out on our journeys to college or from high school. I don't know. It just, it really resonated with me on a personal level. Yeah. Yeah. It is a great line. I mean, we talked about that great line um, in the Fellowship of the Ring part while the Kanoff says there's a lot of really pro- profound moments in this whole series and this whole story and I think you know it's about it's about courage and right. and I'm and I'm a different person now than I was when I first watched Lord of the Rings when I yeah. was a kid and I yeah, watched same. it for completely totally. different reasons totally completely agree um yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I, I am sort of surprised that, I mean, Frodo, like, okay, so Frodo had the biggest burden of all the hobbits, obviously, but I'm surprised that he's the only one that had trouble adjusting to regular life after, especially, like, Sam also went through... Most of what he went through, you know what I mean? I'm surprised that Frodo's the only one that sort of struggles adjusting. Well, I think it has to do with being the uh, a ring bearer. You know, yeah. like, Sam, Sam had the ring for, like, a few hours in his, on his person. When, he, when uh, Frodo gets captured by the orcs and Shelob and he takes it for a little bit. But, like, for, like you see how Gollum's really messed up? Yeah. Like... Frodo was on his way to becoming that. And that's why he even says somewhere in the movie, he goes, uh, in the, near the volcano, he goes, I have to destroy it for both of our sakes. And I think that even though it's destroyed, like he, like the crazy amount of like pain he's went through, it's just, it's too much. It's like PTSD. It's like he's, he can't adjust back to normal life because he's not normal anymore. Shit. <laughs> um, that was profound. For the, Do you want for to the audience members, I lightly spilled some 
Coors Light. Here, I'm just gonna get you some toilet paper. Oh, it's okay. Uh, there's actually paper towels right there. Oh, let's see. That's it, was, it was only a, a dribble. Yeah. Um, that was beautiful, Liam. <laughs> My spilling of Coors Light? No, you speech, but also, like, the timing of your spilling of Coors Light. <laughs> um... Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think I think there there's an extra emotional journey that you went on, but I mean, still PTSD can come in many forms, and I think that's that's kind of what Frodo's experiencing. But I'm surprised that like it seems like Pippin and Merry and Sam just kind of go back to their regular lives, and they're just kind of like, yeah, I'm gonna marry that girl I always wanted to marry, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna. Drink and have fun at the prancing pony or the or the the, the green dragon or whatever. Yeah. And well, hobbits are uh, they're extremely resilient, right? That's true. It's just that Frodo's been through too much. Yeah, yeah. Because he was actually Frodo carrying the ring. Been through a lot. Do you want to um, explain the ending of the book that we didn't see? <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I haven't read all of the Lord of the Rings yet, but yeah. I've watched a lot of YouTube videos from people that have. Yeah. So, in the end of the third book, after they defeat Sauron and the four hobbits make their way back to the Shire, the Shire is not what it once was. And it has, in fact, become this disgusting, industrialized area that the evil wizard Saruman and Grima Wormtongue have, like, turned into this gulag, where, like, hobbits aren't... They're, like, semi-enslaved... And there's a lot of, uh, like, ruffian humans there that are kind of their overseers. So the hobbit, the four hobbits come back and they raise an army of hobbits and they have a battle there without any of their human friends or man friends or Gandalf. It's, like, literally just these four hobbits. And I think uh, it's not, like, a great battle. I think uh, I remember reading that something like 70 humans die and 19 hobbits die and 30 are injured. So it's yeah. not like a massive scale of battle, yeah. but it is, you know, it's the first thing of war that has happened in the Shire for thousands of years. Right. And uh, they liberate the Shire and then it grows back into this like beautiful thing, uh, place where it yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I think, I think that the only, I mean, I mean, I think a, like the fact when that, that they come home to the Shire and... It's like more heartbreak. It's like, man, we fought for this. It's true. <laughs> we came it's back. True. It's, it's true. It is like more heartbreak if it happens that way. Though, like, I think, I think, I think the fact that they come back to the Shire, the the way they do in this film, um, I think it adds to their isolation. I think they do a really good job at that, where they come back and they're like, all along, they're like, okay, we were yeah, nobody's saying hi to them. They've been gone for a year. People are just kind of like, oh, hey, and they're just kind of like going about their really day. ignoring them. Yeah, yeah it's terrible. They don't really care. Um, I think that sort of adds to their isolation and sort of explains why Frodo leaves a little more. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, especially because, like, Bilbo left, and that was Frodo's only family. Yeah. You know, it can be assumed that the other habits had homes to go to, but Frodo was just alone besides his three friends. Yeah. Frodo doesn't find love ever, and it's and like, I doubt he will on this elven planet. Hey, you never know. Um, I I hope he does, but like, 
You hear that, Frodo? We're rooting for you. Who's who's he gonna love on the Elven planet? There's no other like little people. I mean, love has no height difference. It's true. Does Gimli stay? Gimli stays. Why do the dwarves stay when the elves leave? I don't. Th- the well, the the dwarves aren't immortal. It's true. Are they gonna stop having kids though? Well, I don't think dwarves are inherently magical on the like elves are. Yeah, I guess because hobbits stay. Yeah, hobbits stay. Men stay. Orcs stay. But orcs kind of fall because of the weird hole in the ground. They kind of all fall into a hole. Yeah. Well, it seems like a lot of them still ran away. Yeah, I was noticing that this time. A lot of them still ran away. So the orcs are still around. The dwarves are still around. The goblins aren't discussed. They aren't discussed. I think it's implied, though, that like the orcs... I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I think it's implied that the dwarves are mostly gone. Because it's like the mines of Moria are depleted, and there's just like, and, and they keep talking about how the orcs dug too deep and got too greedy, and like the age of the I'm right. Sorry, well, orcs, in, but, um, yeah, the in the books there isn't over. much mention of it except for the fact that um, Saruman, or no, my bad, Sauron dispatches a force of orcs against the dwarves of. Uh, um, Erebor, which is the mountain in The Hobbit. So, but that's really like the big mention of it. So it seems like the dwarves actually have their own battle with Sauron's forces, but it's just not really discussed in the books. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think they're kind of like The Hobbits in that they're not that much like of a population. They're not a large population, but they're still around. Yeah, I I think what was nice is we watched um, two out of three of these on a projector, which is the biggest screen I've seen them on. And honestly, just to... See the battles in widescreen, and like there, there's there, there's like a lot in the frame that I noticed that I didn't notice on smaller screens. There's a lot of like, oh, if you look at this wide shot of the marsh, you can see them walking. If you look at the the wide shot of the armies, you can see where the people are going up the mountain. Or like I just noticed a lot more little details in the frame, which is cool. I think um, the thing that we both noticed. <laughs> which was annoying, was every time there's a hobbit on a horse, it's so clearly a dummy. Yeah. <laughs> it's so clearly just, like, a person riding with, like, a fake... A fake... Doll. Doll with a hood on. Like, yeah. It's, like, really it's stiff. It pretty just bad. doesn't move. It's pretty bad. I wish I wish I had... I wish I could unsee yeah. that. I think that is probably one of the worst special effects. And I'm also not the biggest fan of the Army of the Dead special effects. I think I think that's not controversial. I think the Army of the Dead does not look. But I don't know how great. else they would do it. So. I also think when you're watching like the extended cut special effects, um, when you're watching the extended cut special effects, uh, a lot of those scenes it seemed like they spent less money on than 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 the theatrical cut scenes. Probably because they had less of a budget to work with. That would be my guess. But it did seem like with the extended cutscenes, like Gollum looked a little weirder, or like the Army of the Dead looked worse, or it looked more green screened, or something. Yeah. But it looked slightly worse than the theatrical cutscenes, is what I was noticing. I think overall, if I were. When I do rewatch Return of the King, because I'm sure it'll happen again. Yeah. 
Um, I think I'll probably stick with the theatrical release. I think I'll probably go back to the theatrical release, and that's that's an, that's our advice to the listeners. I think I think if you are a diehard Lord of the Rings fan, it's worth checking out the extended cut. It's worth seeing. For but sure. if you're just like you just watch it because your dad put it on, <laughs> you know, for the holidays or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you, you're not missing much. I agree with that. I, yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, we've touched on, like, a lot of, like, what we like about this movie. Do you want to, like, do a draft? Do you feel like we've covered a lot of what we like? I mean, do you want to just, like, talk about more of your favorite things about this movie? I think we covered, um, all that. Uh, I, I did have another, like, observation. Yeah. And that's... At the very end of the movie, when Frodo's leaving the ship, he gives us this, like, really ridiculous boyish smile grin, which is awesome, and I feel like that's how, like, we heard, like, that's how I remember, like, Frodo from the first two movies, you know? Totally. He looks like he's kind of back to himself. Right. But you don't really see him do that very much in the first two movies. Yeah. Like, Frodo just made me so sad in the third movie. He made me more sad in this watching of it than I've ever been before. Is is Elijah good is Elijah Wood good in this? Absolutely. I think so. Is he though? I think he's great. I think I mean but the but the thing is like to me he's my Frodo. Like he's totally my Frodo. At the same time there are scenes like, multiple times each movie where he makes a face that makes me laugh. <laughs> so does that make him a good actor? The Frodo O-faces? Like, the O-faces or just some sh- Like, he just does something that makes you laugh. Yeah, but, like, he doesn't need to be serious all the time. Even though his... The reason why you're laughing are... He's supposed to be serious. He's making kind of a weird face. But... But the but the faces he make he's making aren't intentionally humorous. Right. Ever. I enjoy them. I <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who would be a better Frodo. Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal? No, I don't see I it. I don't see it. I don't see it. Jake Gyllenhaal doesn't look boyish enough. No, but like a young like Johnny Darko Jake Gyllenhaal is like the era. Ah. I don't know. I just don't see it. I look. There's no one I can particularly see as a better Frodo. I just think um, maybe like a really young Robert Downey Jr. He would have been too old here, and he would have been like post like like post prison time Downey uh, Jr. That would not have been good. But I I see. I mean, he's he definitely like had the boyish look, but he always looked a little like coked out or something. Yeah. But um. I don't know, like, who would have been better. Like, I'm not here to, like, Tom Holland. this. <laughs> Tom Holland could have done Frodo. Could Tom Holland have done a good Frodo? Tom Holland could, H- could humble, definitely. Humble listeners could put in the comment section, would Tom <laughs> Holland be a better Frodo? <laughs> what comment section? No, like, <laughs> those don't exist on podcasts. <laughs> uh, no, just just tweet at me um, who would be your Frodo. Um, hashtag not my Frodo. So, like, I just, I feel like, I feel like Elijah Wood occasionally is a distractingly bad actor. I think there's a reason why Elijah Wood has not 
had any breakthrough roles outside of Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he does a fine job. And uh, Sam's acting carries it anyway. Sam's acting, Sean Aston's acting, is like over-the-top spectacular. Like, it's just... Especially it's in so, this movie. Especially, especially in the third. in this movie. It's so... It's so amazing. He proves himself to be, like, the ultimate best friend. Like, literally, like, what... I mean, you talked about this, too. Like, what more could you ask for in a friend? He's just... He's so... He's so yeah. loyal. He... I don't know. Yeah. Should I walk through the moments I cried in this? <laughs> sure. We think... When they, um, when, I didn't start crying until, like, the second, until, like, halfway through the movie. Okay. So, I think when Rohan is riding to battle was probably the first time. It was a little emotional. That was really emotional, because you got Theoden's speech, he, um, touches all, like, the spears... Yeah. Of his soldiers, which is apparently improv by him. Fantastic job. He's just sort of like... Yeah. Just sort of like, I'm going to like carry you guys and... I, I don't know. It's just like, it, feel, it feels right. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just like that idea of like bracing yourself for the evil. Definitely cried at the I am no man moment, the you batter no one moment, the... Um, there must have been... The ship. No. no. No? I didn't cry at the ship. The ship doesn't get me. I don't think the ship's ever gotten me. Is uh, that, the is that that's weird? the one that gets me. Is that weird that that doesn't get me? The ship just never, never The idea me. of saying farewell to your friend, like, forever. Because Gandalf literally says, this is where our friendship ends. Yeah. Like, their brutal. friendship's it's over. I think the thing that bothers me about that scene is I'm like, fuck Frodo for doing the fake out. Like, literally, he's standing there like he was saying goodbye to everyone else. And he's like, okay, bye guys, like, I'm also leaving. I don't know. I don't blame him. Because, could you imagine how hard that would be? But he, like, fakes... Oh, I just, like, I'm, I, 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 like, I'm a little mad at him. Uh, so, so, how here, here's that. a delve into one time I had to pull a fake out. Ooh, I like this. I like drama. <laughs> so... Um, when I was dating my ex-girlfriend, uh, I tried to break up with her at one point and it was very obvious. I didn't explicitly say, let's, we need to talk to break up, but it was kind of implied and she figured it out immediately and we talked and she kind of talked me out of it. So then I realized that I had to do the fake out because she was prepared to talk me out of it. So I kind of needed to just do it immediately. So that way, it would be gone. And I'm sure I made her feel really bad. And I'm sure it wasn't great of me. But I did have to pull out the fake out. Had to pull out the fake out. So I'm sure that Frodo feels really bad. But maybe if he had said something, his friends would have talked him out of it. How? And he would have been unhappy. Huh? Why did you break up with her again? Uh, it was, it was a, it was just toxic. Yeah. I, uh... This is all. I promise. This is all. Okay, that's I'm just, fine. I'm just. Uh, I, I just I'm not that. like generally like a depressed person. Like I don't get. Yeah. Depressed. I like, I don't have depression, and I was like more depressed than I've ever been in my entire life for like the last like two months of that relationship, 
I didn't know why. And then my mom was like, yo, you need to break up with your girlfriend. And I was like, oh, you're right. And it started the, it was a long healing process. It took months. Good for you, dude. Yeah. But like, and I don't mean her like any ill will, but like, she's like a very toxic person. Yeah. And it wasn't until that we broke up that all my friends were like, oh yeah, we hated the way she treated you. It was so obvious. And I was like, well, no one's fucking said anything. Well, like... But no one wants to say anything. Because you seem happy. So I get it. No, but the other but the other thing about that is, like, I've, I've had this with friends where I'm like, you're in a bad relationship. Yeah. But if I tell you you're in a bad relationship, I'm more likely to be the one that's cut out of your life than your boyfriend or your yeah. girlfriend. So, like... Yeah. Well, basically, she was just, like, putting me down all the time. And I didn't really think about it. But, like, she was always, like... Like, making fun of me in front of my friends and, like, and like putting me down and, like, you know, like, making me feel, like, worthless and shitty. Yeah. And I was just kind of always like, oh, like, we're joking around, but everyone else would look at it and be like, yo, that's fucked up. Like, she shouldn't have said that. No, I've had friends like that, too, where I, I, had, a, I had a friend, like, senior year of, of high school who I realized later was just, like, putting me down all the time. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he's just, like teasing me yeah and then it was like no like actually he's just being like really brutal right and it's just like not nice yeah we just like shouldn't be friends anymore yeah no i got like deep into like a toxic friendship at one point where it was just like yeah oh that doesn't that doesn't work for me yeah um but yeah luckily i'm in a happy relationship yeah um yeah i mean no 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 it is it is hard as the friend because like yeah, like, I've... It was... The reason why it was brutal for me is because I definitely, like, a part of me still really loved her. Right. But I knew that I would never be happy. Yeah, that sucks. So, like, it had to be done. But yeah. I still loved her at the time. And then I went through a long-ass period of, like, hating her and being, like, very spiteful. Right. And that now I've finally... It's been years, but I finally like, forgave and, right. you know, it's, like, it's over with. Right, for sure. It doesn't bother me anymore. I, I had a friend in high school who who was dating this guy who, like, they were dating for, I don't know, like, two weeks at this point, and I was just, like, I was just, like, uh, like, I, I hung out with them, like, it was, like, the three of us one time, and I was just, like, I told her after, I was, like, I'm worried he's gonna hurt you. Like, I just said that. I didn't know in what yeah. capacity, but I was just, like, I'm worried he's gonna hurt you. And, uh, like, and she just, she, like, got really defensive and not, like, and also, like, yeah, it's not, it's not really my place, but also, like, I It's like, but is it anyone's, but is it, like, anyone's place that would have seen it? But I felt that very strongly, and she was just like, that's not your place to decide, and I was like, fair. Yeah. Um, but he went on to, like, really fuck her life up. Yeah. Like. I don't know too much about it, but. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, yeah, but like, it's hard to be the friend. Like, I've had I've had conversations with other friends where they've asked me like, would you tell me if I was in like a toxic relationship? I'm like, it really depends, because <laughs> maybe. <laughs> well, I I would want to. I would 100 percent want to, but like, you do sometimes you do better like letting the person figure that out on their own. 
then if you're the one to like jump in and say you're in this space. Does I that think, make sense? I think the difficult thing about toxic relationships is there's two parts. It's one, it's like one I guess there's one thing. Which is like once the parties figure out that it's toxic, because eventually they will, right? They won't for a while and but do do they have the strength to break it? To break up. Because I feel like that's the danger in the toxic relationship. It's not whether or not, like, sometimes people just don't work out and it manifests poorly. But it's like, are you guys strong enough to, like, end it for both your happiness sake? And there's tons of people that aren't. And that's where the friendship component comes in. It's like, well, if I even talk to them and I think it's toxic, are they just going to cut me out and then keep the relationship going? If I don't say anything they're still going to remain in that toxic relationship, but I'll still be their friend. It was, it was, it was uh, one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, for sure. It's impressive, dude. I mean, it sucked. Yeah. You know, and it sucked for a while, but I'm better because of it. I can't imagine what I would be like now, you know, five years down the road, if I was still in that relationship, like so many other people who are. Totally. Totally. Like, I can't, I'd be like a shell of myself. And there are so many people out there that are that are in those toxic relationships that are just almost unrecognizable to their friends. Relationships, man. Relationship advice. Relationship advice? Watch Return of the King. Should I should I uh, should I start a separate relationship advice podcast? <laughs> leave your answers in the comment section. Yeah, leave your answers in the comment section. <laughs> In the comment section that doesn't exist. Um, you know what would be fun? Let's just, um, let's draft characters, but just based on just, like, existence in this movie. Like, singular to this film. So, like, who's your favorite character in this film? Okay. I would say that my favorite character in this film has to be Sam. I I would I would agree with that. It has to be Sam. I think we I think we decided on that earlier. It's um I mean Frodo's too weak. Sam's the friend that everyone wants and yeah. he steps in right when he I don't think Legolas has a line in this entire movie. Besides like his like weird kill counting thing. Yeah. Which I honestly I found that a lot more amusing when I was a kid. Yeah, it's kind of... It's a little, like, uh... I think they just needed to give them something to do. Well, it's also... It's a way to make the battle scenes... It's a way to, like... Make you feel less bad for the orcs. Yeah. It's just kind of like, oh, it's all a game and whatever. I I don't know. I found that a lot more amusing as a kid, and now I'm just sort of like... Why are they like? Why are they two dudes? To be fair, like, it doesn't seem like the orcs have any redeemable qualities. No, but I was like, thinking, no one out there is watching Lord of the Rings and being like, maybe the orcs like deserve a chance to like integrate into society. But I, but I was very surprised that like there wasn't a single orc that was sort of questioning authority. Does that surprise you at all? It could have been cool if Tolkien had a good orc character. A good orc would have been interesting. Maybe, like, in the Fellowship, like, a good orc. That could have been interesting. But I think... Yeah, and I think that would have... Because, obviously, you see... 
evil corrupt good in the power of the ring right. constantly. But you never see good corrupt evil, and that would have been an interesting take. But I think it also... What good could even corrupt an evil? Like, would it give the orc a hug? And yeah. he's like, I'm good now? Yeah, that would have been adorable. Or maybe, like, save their life or something? No, honestly, like a, like a scout... Like a scout... Like, you know how they kill a scout in the second one? On the hyena? Yeah. Like, it could have been, like, a scout, and then they're, like, capture him. They're like, what's... what? Cutting your plans, and the guy, like, defects to the other side. Or, like, he's, he's like, brutally injured, and then they bring him... They mend him. Could have been something like that, yeah. But, like... Yeah, orcs are just, like, horrible in this. Yeah, they just suck. Yeah. Sam, Sam is the best character. Um, I agree with that. I think my next favorite, I would agree that Sam is the best, would be Aragorn. It's just, like, this is the final... It's surprising to me that he didn't win an Oscar for this performance it's really was he genuinely i think he was nominated yeah it's genuinely spectacular i mean like i, I think I, I think aragorn is the largest arc i don't know if you'd agree with that yeah just from from kind of tying a bar to like king of the lands i think he is the largest arc yeah um so i'm always i'm always super impressed by this character obviously obviously the he his he, 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 he is the titular character in, in in this movie when they talk about Return of the King they're talking about Aragorn who would be like third favorite because I feel like those are the I mean that's the, the, I, I think those are the two that I brought up earlier you know I just don't think that Gandalf deserves the third best I think it really? has I know I feel like he would be the easy pick but I feel like it has to be Frodo, Frodo I, I really be. thought Frodo was awesome in this movie. I thought this was his best movie of the three, and he had an excellent performance. I'm going to go Gollum for four. Ooh, Gollum? Frodo. Gollum was really good in uh, in two. Gollum's really good in two. But I think... I think... Um, I, I mean, I think just, like... Seeing his backstory here is really interesting. Again, I mentioned earlier that this sort of adds to, like, Frodo's history. And, like, it adds to, um... I would I would put Eowyn above Gollum for the extended version. In the theatrical release, I don't think mm, she... She doesn't get enough screen time. I don't time think she has enough screen time to warrant on the list. But for the extended version, I think she has the fourth best performance. I just think Gollum is one of the most interesting characters in in in, in, in in any like fantasy story. Like I just think his whole like he's so like he literally saves Middle Earth accidentally. Yeah, he's 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 like the anti-hero. He's the anti-hero of the whole thing and I I I just like I think he's, I think he might be the most interesting character in the whole series because I, I like, I like that, I like that he is having this internal struggle. I think, like, for me, the whole dual personality thing can get a little, like, gimmicky. Like, it can get a little, like, 
like you, it gets a little tedious almost, and I hate to say that because I think it's I think it's otherwise a great character and performance, but um, I mean just the idea that he's he's internally struggling because he's been corrupted by this evil force, and I think that's why his performance is too and two is better because he's like Smeagol's able to, like, win out over Gollum for a short period of time. Yeah. But in Return of the King, it's, like, very much all Gollum. And and, and, and then as they're approaching Hordor, the power of the ring becomes stronger for, like, the two of them. So yeah. Frodo's just exhausted, and Gollum is, um... Is more Gollum-y? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I don't know. But, yeah... Gollum would be a number four. Do you have a number five? We can just do one more round if you want. Um, number five. Would it be Eowyn? Do you want to take Eowyn here? Yeah, I I, I did say Eowyn. I, I hold true to that. Yeah, Eowyn's, Eowyn, Eowyn has a big moment. She's, she's spectacular. She makes me cry. Um, but only for the extended version. But would you not take her in the regular version just for her I am no man moment? You know, it's just that's, not, that's like it's not enough screen time. But, but I guess none of the other moment. characters really get that much screen time besides like Gandalf. I don't know, Pippin maybe? Pippin, Pippin really finally comes through in this movie. and Because uh... he like lights the beacons, he saves uh, Faramir, you know... He, like, charged in after Aragorn at the Black Gate. He's, like, the second person. Yeah. No, he, he's great in this. Like, he... Which, I mean, he he, he bothered me. I mentioned in the... I mentioned, I mentioned in the Fellowship podcast that, like, I don't even get why Merry and Pippin are on this journey. But then over time, they, they prove themselves. Yeah, they were essential. And they prove why they're essential. Yeah, they took Isengard. It was... They did important. take Isengard. Though, I still think that um, if they were remaking the Fellowship, I think that taking, like, two more elves probably would have been more helpful. <laughs> well, I think the whole point is the they realize that the Fellowship can't exist because the, room, the ring would corrupt everyone except for Frodo and apparently Sam. So the Fellowship was actually doomed from the start, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. It's all fair. Do you have any other like thoughts on oh wait I should I should take my final pick and we can get off the draft. But uh <laughs> I'll just go Gandalf because he's still great. And he has okay, he 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 has the great moment where they're retreating from Osgiliath and he like shines the beacon off of the um off of the uh like at the Nas school and then he has this moment where he saves Paramir and he has all those moments where he's talking to King. He still, he still, he ha- doesn't have quite the moments that he has in the first two, but he has a lot of really cool moments in it. And uh, good for him. He deserves yeah. it. It's great. I think I'm Team Gandalf the Grey though. I think he's better when he's Gandalf the Grey. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It's also it's also cool to see his rise again. Yeah. When yeah, I think I think I think that makes sense. He's better as. Which is funny because you were you were on Team White Claw. I was on Team White Claw. For anyone that uh, makes it to the end of this episode, uh, I drank an entire twelve pack of claws, but I did sub out two of the claws for 
Coors Light. Yeah, so I had two quads and yeah. Uh, uh, I was very <laughs> trashed. <laughs> you were very trashed. We, I was not quite as trashed, but we we got we got pretty drunk on that that one. That was fun. Um, do do you have any other like thoughts on this movie in general? Um, I'll probably watch it again next year. Totally. And every year after that. <laughs> I'm back. I'm it's about a every year, every two years. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's it's literally just like one of the greatest stories ever told. It like, is. And I think just like start to finish, um, there's so much beauty and there's so, there's so much in it. Um, I, I mean, in terms of just... Like the films, like the, like they're just so well executed. Um, you can even nitpick the CGI and the special effects a bit, but I mean, you think about they the never bothered me. You think about the fact that they're twenty years old, and I mean they they look they look really good. They I mean, do. I'm I'm excited for the Amazon TV show. I hope they do a good job. Oh god! If I they do a bad do. job like The Hobbit, I'm gonna be pissed. They can't do that, but they they have to do a good job, right? Don't they? Doesn't that have to be a thing? Oh yeah, they have to do a good job. Right? Yeah. Absolutely, that's a thing. That's it's a... in the contract that it has to be good. <laughs> it has to be a good show. Do you want to say a quote in character? I already said my quote. That was my one quote from Return of the King that I know. Your, 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 your strawberry quote? Yeah. Do you have another quote? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my that's my one How do I how do I end the podcast? Uh so it's when uh it's at the Battle of Minas Tirith and Theoden has been his horse has been knocked over by an elephant and he's lying underneath it and he's dying. And Eowyn comes over to him after she kills the uh the Nazgul leader and he goes my body is broken. <laughs> <laughs> I know your face. I know your face. Which is the same line he says when, when he's being lifted from the spell of worm tongue. It is. He says it all that connects. To her. It's his first line that we hear. You and right. it's his, his last first and line. last line in the in the series. How it beautiful is. is that? It is. God. I don't know. Something really yeah, resonated with me that my body is broken. I, I feel you, homeboy. Broken. Same. Yeah, yeah, my body's broken. Dude, thank you. I, I, you, you had a gargantuan task. <laughs> and I feel like we, I feel like we succeeded. I, um, I feel like we did a good job at this. We, it we, was fun. We covered the Lord of the Rings. It was a big task. It was fun. Hopefully we did it some justice. Hopefully we did it some justice. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cineflag, and I will see you next week.